Good morning. Worthy is the Lamb. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6 to the end of the chapter. Colonel John Howard was ordered to retreat in a battle during the Revolutionary War. But as he did, the British started to charge, and he decided to surprise them. He'd ordered his men to attack, which they did, and they ended up winning the battle. Of course, John, the colonel, received great honor due to their victory over the British. However, his commander, General Morgan, reminded the colonel, had his plan failed, he would have been shot for disobeying orders. His decision could have led to disgrace rather than honor. You see, opposites can be so close, and this is the case of Jesus as the Lamb of God. What I mean is this. The disgrace of the cross became the basis for Jesus to be honored. Remember, the cross was public execution reserved for the worst of the criminals. In fact, if you're a Roman citizen, you were spared to be put to death that way. But yet, because he died on the cross... And by the way, he did rise again. Let's not forget that. Became the basis for him to be honored. Not only for history, but for all eternity. A song we will never cease to sing is the song, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain or slaughtered. After 10 billion years, we might forget every aspect of history of earth and time. However, we will never forget that song. Revelation chapter 5 is called the worthy chapter of the book because that word worthy appears seven times in chapter 5. Four of them occur in this chapter. And they are referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God who died for the salvation of a lost world. This song of heaven exalts Jesus in a way that none other does. As you looked in the chapter, as we read through, you will notice that it's not just redeemed humanity that is praising his worthiness, but all the angels, the creatures, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, all beings of creation are singing his praises. Look in verse 6. Between the throne, or in the midst of the throne, with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain. The word there used for the word lamb, to talk about an adult lamb, is not there. The Greek word is arianon, which speaks of a very young lamb. And it has all the marks of having lost his life as a sacrifice. Now, the Greek word translated slain is a perfect passive participle. Now, I don't need to say what, I don't know Greek, but pay attention. That word emphasizes a past action, the results of which are enduring and permanent. In other words, this young lamb has been slain in the past, but the significance of that sacrifice is persistent and undiminished. You can look at him and see that he was sacrificed is the point even though the actual slaughter of him happened years and years ago. 
And furthermore, the lamb is not lying on the ground without life. He is standing at the center in the midst of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the 24 elders. Look back in verse 6. The text says, Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Now the horn was a common symbol of courage, strength, and might. And it's common to be used in apocalyptic literature. And the seven eyes are a trait taken from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. And in that text of Zechariah, the seven eyes are explained as all seen. The state of knowing everything. So here it is. The eyes of Christ behold and scrutinize everything. Everything. Doesn't matter if you try to hide in the dark. He still sees it and knows it. And lastly, in verse 6, he said, Which are the seven spirits of God? Of God. It says, Sent out into all the earth. Reference to the Holy Spirit. And you remember back in chapter 1, that's given without measure to the seven churches. Therefore, we know there is a unity between the Lamb and the seven eyes, God's seven spirits, or the Holy Spirit. The horns would speak of, pow of the power and authority, relate the Lamb to the one who sits on the throne, from whose right hand he will take the book. What I'm trying to paint a picture of, you see the Trinity here. You see the Holy Spirit, you see the Son, the Lamb of God, and you see him who sits on the throne as a reference to the Father. But look at what he does. He describes him standing there. John sees him, but he does something. Look, in verse 7, he, the Lamb, came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. Now, remember, a few weeks ago we looked at it, no one was worthy. But Jesus is worthy to do so. Look how he approaches the throne. He approaches the throne with no reserve or shyness or modesty. He goes right up to him and takes the book. Now, this stands in stark contrast to what we've already seen. All the participants of heaven, the 24 elders, the living creatures, and the angels, have fallen on their faces and worshiped the one who sits on the throne. The Lamb has no need of such an approach, but simply approaches the throne and takes the book. And when he had taken the book, verse 8, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. The simple act of him getting the book results in this heavenly celebration. They fall down before the Lamb just as they had previously fallen down before the one who sits on the throne. Can you see that? He just walks up and takes the book out of the Father's right hand. And the right hand is a symbol of power and might. And the Lamb walks up and just takes the book. Doesn't ask. Doesn't fall down to worship. None of that. He just walks up and takes it. And when he does, the same people who have been worshiping the one who sits on the throne now fall before the Lamb. Now you know this. The Bible tells us this, that to worship anyone or anything other than God is idolatry. But look at the text. There is no hesitancy of those who worship the one on the throne to fall down and worship the Lamb. They do the same thing for the Lamb. No hesitancy. They just do it. He says, each one of them, in verse 8, is holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, the holy ones. Hey, brother, who's the saints? 
Yeah, come on. Say it with conviction. That's right. Not based on anything you could have done or will do, but based on the blood of Christ. You are a saint. And just as incense is a sweet savor in human nostrils, you ever have someone burn a candle and incense that makes a place smell good? Someone can be overbearing. But just as that sweet smell to your nostrils, when you pray, when the people of God pray, when the saints of God praise, it renders a sweet aroma to God's nostrils. Oh, how he loves to hear his people pray. And the fact that they would do that, falling before the lamb, is possibly an indication that the lamb is the very answer the saints are looking for and the most heartfelt and fervent prayers. How often is Jesus the answer that we are seeking? Who's the answer to what ails our world, what's holding our world back? It's Jesus. What's the answer to everything we see happening in our world? It is Jesus the Christ. And look what happens. As they fall down and with their harps and with the golden bowls, they Sing a new song in verse 9. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, then from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. If you have a written or you can highlight in your electronic copy of the Bible, you need to underline that in the last part of verse 9. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. They're going to people there from all over the earth. People who are saved by the blood of the Lamb will be there from different nations, different cultures, different ethnicities. It saddens me the church in America doesn't look like what's going to take place in heaven. All will be there. You know, Israel was to sing a new song in the advent of Messiah, or the arrival of Messiah. Now the 24 elders and the living creatures join in a new song, extolling the worthiness of the Lamb as he takes the scroll from who sits on the throne. And the worthiness is predicated on the fact that the Lamb had been slain, and he had purchased salvation through his blood. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. We refer to this building as the house of the Lord, or the church. No, this is where the church meets. If you are a believer in Christ, guess where the temple of the Holy Spirit is right now? Inside of you. You've been bought with a price, a very high price, the price of the Lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. For he who is called in the Lord why a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called why free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. See, the truth is, the redeemed are the slaves of God. We've been bought with a price. God redeemed us. We're not saved to 
to bring into a, a life of selfish ease, a liberty just to do what we want and to sit back and say, I have my fire insurance, I'm not going to hell. No, we have been bought by God with a terrible cost. We are now to become his slaves, to so do his will. Maybe a better word I should use is servants, because we still have a choice to make, don't we? We can either do it and be obedient or be disobedient. How dare I be disobedient to the one who saved me and trample over the precious blood of the Lamb? Who saved me because of his unfathomable, uncomprehensible love that he has for me and for you as well? You know, Passover and the Day of Atonement pointed to this. Passover, the day when they took a lamb, the last plague on the Egyptians. They were to take a lamb and to slaughter it and to put its blood on the doorposts. And when the death angel came to kill the firstborn, he would see the blood and would pass over that house. It didn't matter who was in the house as long as they had that blood. And of course, after that, you know the story, the Egyptians. The Egyptians let them go. And by the way, they didn't let them go as, as free people. They, they plundered the Egyptians. The Egyptians gave them things and said, just get out. In the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would lay hands on that goat and transferring the sins of the people onto that goat and take and slaughter it and go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, the very presence of God, and would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat on behalf of the people. You have to walk through that veil. But see, you and I don't have to do that anymore. We can go directly to the Father through the blood of Christ. He is our high priest. He is our moderator. And he's lived a life down here. I don't care what you're going through. Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry, to feel pain. To feel rejection. The very people he came to save were the very ones who spit at him and called him names. He knows what it's like. He was tempted in all ways, the book of Hebrews tells us, yet he had no sin. Look at verse 10. Only has the Lamb saved all men, all women. But you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. <laughs> Did you hear what that just said? It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is our marching orders. Go out there this afternoon, later this week, call people out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Well, I don't know how to do that, Tim. I don't know what to say. Pray that the Holy Spirit will be with you. He'll give you what you need in that moment. Pray that God will give you opportunity after opportunity to witness to somebody and to speak life where there is death, to bring light where there is darkness. Our world is in utter chaos and darkness. 
We have the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 11. So then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. So you had the, the throne and the lamb and you had the, the four living creatures and the elders around the throne. Now you have all of these angels around. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Webster's definition of myriad is 10,000 or a great number. Oxford's definition is a countless or extreme great number. In other words, John is telling us countless of them. I, I just saw, I couldn't even count them all. So we try to add this up, what it means numerically, it misses the whole point. There are too many of them count. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands. They constitute a magnificent heavenly choir. And they circled the throne, the living creatures, and the elders. I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding about angels. They're not just standing by watching this happen. They're singing just as loud as the saints. You see, Jesus deserves every honor that heaven is capable of bestowing. See, to be worthy is to, is to get what you deserve, but... We are not worthy of the least of his favors because we are totally saved by his grace. The worship in heaven is not subdued. Look at it. They're not holding back. In fact, they say a loud voice, that's that word mega in the Greek. And you've heard, that's mega size, are huge, loud. And they're singing in all one voice. It's unfortunate. And I said this before. Churches often identify reverence with quietness. And there are certainly times in worship we need to be quiet and reflective. But we are never more reverent than we're involved in a crescendo of praise to God that's precisely taking place and for, right before John. He's seen it and he's hearing it. Why do we hold back? And I'm being serious. Myself included. Why do I hold back? When I ponder and think of the goodness and greatness, the holiness of God, and what the Lamb has done, only for me, but for all of mankind, Look what they're saying in verse 12. They're saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. You know, in chapter 4, the Father is praised for His creative activity. Here, the Son is being praised for His redemptive activity. Now the Son was there when the creation took place and certainly... Redemption was part of the Father's plan from the beginning. But it seems to me that each member of the Trinity is being praised what is most associated with them. There is no doubt that the Lamb has all power, wealth, wisdom, and so forth, but what's being emphasized here that He is worthy to receive it all. He is worthy to receive the praise or gratitude of the entire cosmos, of all creation, 
for salvation. Can you see that picture in heaven? I don't see any pews being mentioned to you. I don't think we'll need air conditioning up there. Constantly falling down. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And yet sometimes, I hate to admit this and confess this to you, in worship I'm looking at my watch. I'm not even considering who it is that I'm worshiping or supposed to be worshiping. Look in verse 13. Every created thing on the earth, under the earth, in the sea. He says, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. This is not just limited to the people in heaven, the participants in heaven. It's all creation. Not just humans, but other forms of life as well. All creation is singing this. The chorus, this chorus of glory to the Lamb includes those who are perishing. It reminds me of Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Even now, as I speak to you from this pulpit, all creation is singing this unto their Creator. The birds, the fish, the cattle, the lamb, the stars. In fact, there's an interesting video. I'll share it with you later. They looked up all these uh, galaxies and they listened with the radio telescope. They put out these frequencies and they put it together and it speeded up a little bit. And it sounds just like they're singing, How great is our God. You can't hear the words, but you can hear that melody going. That's creation crying out to their creator. Look at verse 14. <laughs> the four living creatures kept saying, what do they keep saying? Saying, verse 14, amen. When the whole universe concludes this heavenly anthem, there is a final shout for the four living creatures, amen. I wonder what that's going to sound like. Singing with a loud voice, the angels and all creation and the four and the elders are saying, Amen, Amen. See, Amen underscores what has been said, sung, or accomplished. It also pronounces the agreement of the worshiper. When you say Amen, you say, I agree. When we pray and we conclude with Amen, we're not saying over and out to God. We're saying, so be it. We agree. That's what, exactly, see right there. So be it. And then in verse 14, the last part of it, the elders fell down in worship. And once again, they fall down in worship. Has been their practice all along to worship the one who sits on the throne and the Lamb. Well, these last two chapters, there's a lot of falling down, a lot of worshiping going on. A lot of crying out. But I must warn you now that as we conclude this chapter... As we move to chapter 6, there's a magnitude of, of catastrophe that's going to follow in chapter 6 and in chapter 7. 
human suffering. But see, we've now been prepared to hear that because we understand who God is, who the Lamb is. It makes what's going to happen more palatable to us. Because hopefully we have an adequate understanding of the person and purposes of God and the perfect will and worship of God as practiced in heaven. The whole point of heaven's praise is that the Lamb of God deserve all the honors that he can receive. The greatest rewards in heaven will be given to Jesus, for he alone deserves them. Let us never cease to sing, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We are part of the bride of Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you pronounce his name and ask him to be Lord and Savior of your life, and you follow obedience and baptism, you belong to the church, which is the bride of Christ. Therefore, this is our song now and forever. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Let me conclude with this. There's been a lot of things said about worship over the last 20 years. They called them worship wars, for lack of a better word. What should be done in worship, what should not be done in worship, this is worship, this is not. But the basic issue in worship is not, is the choir worthy? Is the soloist worthy? Is the guitar player worthy? Is the singer worthy? Is the drummer worthy? The answer is no. The issue is Jesus is worthy of it all. And since he is worthy, we can worship and praise him regardless of all the shortcomings of the music leader, of the drummer, of the guitarist. Because it's not about us, it's all about him. Therefore, we have an obligation to look past all that and look to him who is worthy. Because his worthiness alone is the basis for all our praise and worship. And here's the point. You ready? There is no excuse to fail in worship because his worthiness is the basis of it all. Regardless if I like the song or not, I like the word, it does not matter. Is Jesus worthy? Yes, he is worthy of it all. Music shouldn't divide us, it should unite us because music is such a powerful medium. Have you stopped and then thought about the words which you are singing? Here's a good one. How many of you, just a show of hands, know the song, I Surrender All? You know that old hymn? It's been around for a long, long time. Have you stopped and looked at those songs which you are singing? All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all? Really? Am I really to back that up and say, yes, I am surrendering it all? Dearly beloved, we have sold ourselves short when it comes to worship. This should be a dress rehearsal for what we've been reading about and what takes place up there. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. The Bible talks about raising your holy hands. If you want to get down and kneel, then get down and kneel. If you need to weep, Weep. 
whatever you need to do. Don't be worried about what your neighbor's thinking. Only one thing should be crossed in your mind. Jesus is worthy. Worthy of it all. It's a FedEx guy out there if you wonder who it is. I just saw the truck. What are you holding back? This is invitation. Let me be clear. Number one, if you do not, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have no clue what we've been talking about, then come on down. This is your time to receive that gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You just come and pray. Confess that you're a sinner. Ask for forgiveness and ask the Lord to be in your life and then you take residence in your heart and then becomes the process of sanctification. If you've done that, is something becoming between you and God? You know, idolatry is anything between you and God. Something coming there? Well, let me ask more of a, a personal question. Have you ever read the Old Testament, even the New Testament, and read about the miracles? Great displays of God's wonder and his might. Man, I want to experience that. If you're tired of going through the same thing, you want to experience God like that. Pray to him and say, God, I want to know you everything that I am and you search him with all your heart he will make yourself he will make himself known to you do you want to become part of this body then come you need prayer come if you just need someone to hold your hand or just to sit with you then come he is here he is ready. The only thing holding you back is yourself. Don't let Satan use your pride to stop you. Let go of it. There is freedom in letting go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of worship. And you have spoke spoken to us through the reading of your word, the singing of songs, the preaching of your word. Even now, you're speaking. May we listen to that voice as you speak to our hearts and to our minds. Father, I pray for all of those in the sound of my voice you would break down the walls and break the chain. And you would draw them unto yourself. God, you have told us you're the same yesterday and today and forevermore. God, I know you can do all things. There's nothing that you can't do. So I pray for you continue to move, Father. Continue to shape our hearts.
may we hold nothing back from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?